Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is episode number 100 of Dynasty Decisions. We've gone through this 100 times of going through your Dynasty teams, all the decisions that you have to make, trade questions, rookie pick questions, rebuilding, contending, house money. We've created terms at this point on this channel. So we really want to thank you guys for sticking around for 100 episodes of Dynasty Decisions. As a big, big thank you for the 100th episode of Dynasty Decisions, we are going to be giving away a full year subscription to our site, flockfantasy.com, where, of course, one of the benefits is that you'll get Dynasty Decisions teams covered. You'll get our rankings. You'll get all of our uh, databases, our draft guide, which drops about seven days from now. So that is very exciting. Danny, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Like Corey said, it is episode 100. We have hit the century mark and we want to give back to you guys. Whether you have an existing membership and we can add a year on or whether you've never been a member on the site and we can give you a free yearly Mother Flocker membership. The way to enter that is by commenting down below when you first found our channel, whether that was when we started in 2020, whether that was a week ago. Comment down below when you started following the channel and maybe what your favorite video you've seen of us has been thus far. Yes, for sure. So we are fired up to get into it. We're not going to waste any more time. Let's hit the intro. All right, so we are into the first team. And as you guys might notice, we got a new way of doing things. We got a lot of comments saying the way you guys edit this on is wonky. It looks weird. So this is the format we're going to do going forward. You can see everything. You can see our faces. It's the best of both worlds. So the first team that we are going to uh, start things off with. And it's fitting because Flett was our very first Patreon uh, member when we started our Patreon back in, you know, 2020 or whatever. So we are covering his team first. He is a mother flocker member. It is a 10 team PPR league, six point per passing touchdown, half tight end premium, one quarterback. So we're in a lot of leagues with Flett. Doesn't look like it's one of them um, because it's a one quarterback league and neither of us are in any one quarterback leagues. His main quarterback there is Joe Burrow with Deshaun Watson and others in the wings there. Trash times five is his running back. So we'll just, trust him that there's nothing there. Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson, JSN, Christian Watson, and others at wide receiver. And then Noah Fant, Greg Dolce says the tight ends with the 102, 105 in this year's rookie class. And then some other picks there as well. Doesn't look like he has his two or his three in 2025. So, I mean, looking at this team, he just is asking basically overall draft strategy for those rookie picks, future trades and thoughts on the team. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So in terms of the team, obviously uh, trash by five at running back basically tells me that you're building out the shell of the rest of your team and then adding your running back position because having Joe Burrow as your head quarterback, having Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba in particular at wide receiver uh, are big time building blocks you can have on this team. Now, for starters, obviously you're going to need a tight end. You're going to need to fill up your running back position before you try to compete. But you do have ample draft capital specifically this year with the 102, the 105, the 204, the 302. Overall, I think you've put yourself in a very solid position. 10 teams starting nine league. You have the studs to be able to compete in the long term. It's just about filling out the rest of the roster at this, this point, adding you know a couple running backs, maybe with the 204 and uh, the 302 this year, maybe using your 102 and 105 to continue adding talent, whether that's maybe a guy like Malik Neighbors at 102 or maybe using the 105 to go trade for a set veteran running back if you choose to do so. Yeah, and at 105, it's possible that you're going to be staring down the face of a Brock Bowers if people are, you know, they love one of the receivers that's not named Romo Dunze, Malik Neighbors, and Marvin Harrison. It's possible that Bowers falls to 105. Tight ends usually get undervalued to some degree. 
So yeah, I think you got the ability to be able to fill out this roster. It's just going to be a matter of maybe, you know, making some moves here and there, tearing down, trading down, trading up, whatever you need to do. So we can look at some of uh, Fletch's trades here. I don't know if he actually made these all on the same day because they're all listed October 31st, 2023. But regardless, maybe he tore his team down on this day. It looks like there was a lot of, you know, contending assets shopped away and he was trying to make some rebuilding moves here. So he sold off uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Marquise Brown for Marvin Mims and the 204. I'm not going to lie. Don't really love this trade. Maybe at the time, Marvin Mims had like a bunch of big plays or whatever, and you were kind of thinking you were buying low on a young wide receiver who was going to really accumulate value to the tune of like maybe what Tank Dell did throughout the rest of the season. I think the 204 in a one quarterback league, it's a 10 team league. So it's basically the 202. I still don't think that's enough for me to move off of Ramondre and Marquise Brown. Yeah, if you got a better wide receiver than Marvin Mims back, I would be more willing to do this type of deal. Like if you're thinking of young wide receivers. Rasheed Rice maybe uh, or even well, um, Jordan I'm, Addison I'm, or something like that. Yeah, at the time that you would have made it, maybe those guys were attainable. I'm more so even thinking like if you're going to go for a young unproven, because I, I doubt those guys would be given up uh, for this in a one quarterback league. But even like if Marvin Mims was like Christian Watson or someone like that or a top 35 40 type of dynasty wide receiver young with some upside i'd be more willing it's just the problem with marvin mims he hasn't really shown anything at this point in his career besides a couple of flashes a couple of deep plays i mean it could turn out well for you if say hypothetically jerry judy gets traded Cortland sutton leaves this upcoming offseason but at the same time at this current point uh i would prefer the ramondre and marquise brown side ramondre even if you equate to the 204 i would prefer marquise brown to marvin mims yeah, I think Marquise Brown or Ramondre, you can almost make the argument that they're worth the other side of the package individually by themselves because uh, yeah. the 204, I mean, it's a one quarterback 204. You're going to miss out on a lot of those top end wide receiver talent. And then uh, Ramondre, I mean, he's as you know up and down as he might be. He's still one of the better dynasty contending running backs that you can buy on the cheap right now. And I think he will have some production. So not the greatest first trade here. Let's look at the next one. Mike Evans, Raheem Mostert, Jerry Judy, a 2025 second, which is his. So it'll probably be relatively early. And Logan Thomas, he sold off for Garrett Wilson. Love this. 105. So this trade, I like a lot more. I mean, you offload a contending wide receiver like Mike Evans, contending running back like Raheem Mostert, Jerry Judy, who pretty much staunchly took a nosedive in value after this happened. And then uh, a second rounder in Logan Thomas, who's not really worth a whole lot. And you get Garrett Wilson in the 105. These are two proven assets, long-term stable assets. You're going to get a good player at 105, whether it's a Brian Thomas or maybe Brock Powers or somebody like that falls to you. And Garrett Wilson, he might be worth this whole package by himself, realistically. In a one quarterback league, he's a top six to 10 startup pick. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's how I view it. I, give me the Garrett Wilson 105 side very easily here. I can make the case that, Mike Evans, you know, maybe a late first round pick in a one quarterback league, older wide receiver, Raheem Moser, Jerry Judy, second, Logan Thomas. Like if we're equating value here, Evans, let's just say is a late one, uh, Moser, Judy, and in, in the second are worth twos. And I mean, Logan Thomas, I wouldn't even equate to a three. I wouldn't equate to a four at this point. He's kind of just a filler piece at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a great trade. However, I, I think you should have stopped after that one. You made a nice little retooling move or whatever. This next one, Brock Purdy, T. Higgins, Jordan Addison, Brandon Cooks, one Kyron Williams. Again, it is a one quarterback league, so Purdy's not worth as much. But I still think, I mean, Kyron Williams, top eight dynasty running back, wouldn't yeah. have been at the time that you made this trade. Addison and T. Higgins are both, you know, wide receiver twos in dynasty. Brandon Cooks is, you know, whatever. Brock Purdy in a one quarterback league is whatever. But as great as Jamar Chase is, and in a one quarterback startup, he's actually my 101. So I believe yeah. he's a very, very valuable piece. I just think this is like selling off a bunch of good assets 
for one great asset. And that can work when you're close to winning a championship. But when you're trying to tear it down, I feel like I would rather sold off these pieces individually for draft picks, hoping to hit on players and build up my roster that way. So I don't think it was a bad trade necessarily from like raw startup value. I think just given the team strategy that you have at this point, I might have gone in a different direction. Yeah, so the way I kind of view this is in a one-quarterback league, you're probably equating T. Higgins to maybe a one and a two, Jordan Addison about the same, Kyron Williams about the same. So if you're doing the math there, three ones, three twos about, give or take. And one-quarterback league, start nine, ten-team league, I think that's probably about what you would expect for Jamar, maybe a second or so uh, of an overpay. Like if you had taken off, I don't know, um, Maybe you add a, a second to the Jamar side. Uh, I would have been more willing to do this. But at the same time, in your spot, trying to shed points, Kyron Williams kind of uh, you know, inversely affecting that relationship there, you're able to take your pick to the 102. And if by getting rid of Kyron in this deal helped you do so, I understand. But like Corey said, I think you probably could have gotten a little bit of a better deal here, whether that's maybe getting a, a first for a second or whether that's getting maybe a second or two seconds on your side. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really all about like how much could you have gotten individually for selling these players off um, is the thing I think about. But maybe those offers weren't on the deal unless you kind of made a package yeah. deal like this. So not a bad one, but I will say like overall, um, your team might have been in a slightly better position had you not like offloaded all of your you know assets. Because, you know, a guy like Marquise Brown, guy like Jordan Addison, you know, guy like T Higgins, these are guys that I think will be more valuable in the future than they are right now. So I might have held players like that who you weren't getting adequate value on the open market for. But of course, like Danny said, you were able to shed enough production to get 102 and secure yourself Malik neighbors in this situation. So kind of pros and cons to both sides of the equation there. Yep, uh, for sure. But with that being said, I feel like we can move on to the next team. And that is going to be from Mark. And you guys can see the team on the screen right now. 10 teams start 10, one quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, one tight end, three flex, and a super flex spot. He's got Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins as his quarterbacks. Rashad White, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, etc. They're at running back. Wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Puka, JSN, etc. And then at tight end, the main one being Pat Fryermuth. And he also has, on top of that, the 107, 108, 303 this year, and all of his picks in 2025 and 2026. So what he says here is that, I thought this team would compete this year, but ended up being just middle of the pack. I'm not really sure which direction I should take this team. Should I try to keep competing, or should I more so retool this team? He says, my quarterbacks are solid, but I feel like my other positions aren't quite strong enough to compete. What do you guys think? Yeah, this one's tough, man, because you look at your team and like you got some horses at quarterback, right? Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, raw fantasy point production, man. Like it's hard to get better than that. Both of those guys are are 20 point per game guys in their sleep, given how much they run the football running back again, Rashad white had a great year this year. Like it, it, it kind of, I'm surprised that you were only middle of the pack with this team because you had yeah. Brown was on a tear for a while. Puka Nakua was obviously a huge league winner. Like, I guess it was just a lack of like depth at wide receiver production wise, because JSN yeah. wasn't doing anything. Dotson wasn't doing anything. Uh, Marquise Brown wasn't really doing anything. So Tight I might've maybe made a trade in season for like a productive wide receiver in your spot. But yeah, I get what you mean. This is a challenging evaluation when you look at this team, like because yeah. on raw fantasy point projection wise, like next year's drafts. I mean, you got in a super flex draft in like redraft hurts. Jackson, Rashad white, AJ Brown, Puka Nakua would all be top four round picks. So those guys are all high end productive pieces. It's just difficult to, to determine kind of what your market value is. So again, 
with any team like this, one thing that I'm looking to do is looking at some of the players on my team, labeling them as on the up or on the down slope, like I did in that moves to make video a couple of weeks ago and see yeah. what you can get for them on the open market. Cause if somebody is excited about Jalen Warren or somebody's excited about Samir white, somebody's excited about Marquise Brown, because he might have, you know, a new landing spot in free agency, see what you can get for these guys on the open market, label what you think you should get for them. And then what's actually available out there and kind of maybe make your moves on that front. Because I don't think there's a direct, this is a competitive team, or this is a rebuilding team until you know the market value of some of your players. Yeah, and I mean, given some of these deals here, it is very interesting uh, what direction you can go. So uh, the the main one being the Jerome Ford for the 2024 first, the 108 deal. And the reason why I say that is, if you can somehow make more deals like this, uh, I would be willing to sell. Now, if it was just this guy in this league and he doesn't really care about market value and it's just him in particular, that's one thing. But if this is kind of the sentiment around the league that uh, a lot of these more productive players will be able to net you some interest, maybe uh, be able to net you some value in terms of liquidity, then I'd be willing to do that. But um, that would be my telltale sign here. Evaluate your league market, like Corey said. If more deals like this Jerome Ford for the first one come up, I'd be willing to retool. But if it's just this guy, if you're not able to sell Hollywood, Najee, Pat, some of these other ancillary pieces that aren't named, you know, Puka, uh, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, then I would just be willing to, you know, run it back at this point because you do have the 107 and 108 to add this year to be able to throw at potential veterans or this oncoming rookie class. Yeah, I mean, he says he has some interest from Puka Nakua and JSN. JSN specifically, I would 100% entertain interest yeah. for because Puka Nakua has already proven it, right? He has yes. like best rookie season like in NFL history, pretty much at wide receiver. So with JSN, if people are going to pay the pre-draft cost on JSN and not the post-rookie season cost on JSN, then I'd be willing to move off of him. If, if you can get Chris Olave uh, anywhere near a guy like Chris Olave or anywhere near a, a Drake London plus type of package for a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, which I think you will be able to in a lot of leagues, um, I would consider something like that because then you can maybe move off of some risk, still get yourself a young productive receiver, a guy that can help you compete in the future. Um, he does ask about his rookie picks. He says, I'm looking at guys like Romo Dunze, Brian Thomas with like his seven and eight, but he's also not sure about Brock Bowers too because he has Pat Fryermuth as his main tight end. He doesn't really have a, a needle mover at that position. Yeah, and I mean, uh, if Brock Bowers falls, obviously you take Brock Bowers, but even in your spot, uh, if you can get Romo Dunze and let's just say Brian Thomas or first-round draft capital wide receiver that goes into a nice landing spot, because I'm assuming, again, by the 108, Rome, Malik, and Marvin Harrison will all be off the board. That's one route you can go. The other route, maybe if you can see, okay, what plus 108 can get me up to the 106 to take Brock Bowers? Yes, the other way you can go. But the other way you can go is, can I throw 303 at a production tight end? Like what type of tight end that I can buy for production this upcoming year to try to further my competing window? Because I mean, looking at this right now, you do have the shell of a team that can compete. The only problem, like Corey said, is that you're lacking a bit at wide receiver depth with a start five potential wide receiver league, and you don't have a solidified tight end one at this point. Although I believe in the talent of Fryermuth long-term, obviously a very disappointing season he's coming off of. Yeah, and the 108 too, like let's say you go with uh, Odunze at 107 or Bowers at 107 and you're like, ah, you know, Brian Thomas doesn't get the greatest landing spot. Maybe you're not a huge Xavier Worthy guy, whatever. We only get three first round quarterbacks, so you don't have the opportunity to move off of like a Bo Nix or something like that. You could always sell 108 for a veteran running back too. Like yeah. if you wanted to see how much more on top of 108, you'd have to pay for John J. Taylor or for Travis Etienne or for, you know, somebody in that vicinity, maybe Kyron Williams, if you're in the mood for a guy like that and a little bit of risk. 
that would make some sense as well. Because once you add in, let's say you added Jonathan Taylor straight up for 108, or you had to throw in 303 or one of your ancillary pieces, then you'd have Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Rashad White, Jonathan Taylor as your starting core like backfield with more wide receiver depth, obviously by taking, let's say, Odunze, or maybe you shot that pick for a veteran wide receiver, and you'd have um, potentially the opportunity to go after a veteran tight end, or you just roll with Fryermuth and he's just the weak part of your roster. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, then you could really compete with this team. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, what, what I really like about this setup is because you have all those future picks, you can attack just adding talent within this upcoming draft and reevaluate come midseason. If you start off the year, let's just say by week six, you are four, two, five, and one looking to compete. At that point, if you want to throw a second and a third, or you want to throw your first at TJ Hawkinson or something like that, or maybe that's a bad example because he's coming off an injury, but like Mark Andrews or George Kittle or something like that, because you're uh, seeing it as being a potential later pick, then you can make that adjustment or vice versa. If you started off two and four, because let's just say, I don't know, Lamar Jackson missed some time or Jalen Hurts missed some time. Then at that point, you can really liquidate the roster. This is the classic, in my opinion, house money type of team. Having those picks back stocked, having the picks to be able to add some talent this year, you're really in a position where depending on what the market's telling you and depending on what your team's telling you, you can adjust on the fly. Yeah, for sure. And he says, I mean, there's not a whole lot of trading that happens in this league. And he said, these are the only deals he's been able to make. I mean, they were two sharp deals though. I mean, you got yeah. Rashad White in the 107 for the 106. At the time, I'm sure this guy didn't know it was a one pick discrepancy. Well, I'm sure he, he thought he it was a late that. first for a mid first or whatever, yeah. but it worked out very well for you. And like you said already with the Jerome Ford deal, that's just highway robbery. Like you stole that. Yeah. He says that the, the, the trade, uh, the guy thought his pick would be very early and his own pick would be late. And it's just funny looking back that there was a one pick discrepancy. Yeah, that is hilarious. So, I mean, <laughs> overall looking at the team, like Danny said, house money going into next year, continue to try and make moves, even though there's not a whole lot of trading that goes on in this league. And you should be pretty well set up to be able to uh, turn this thing around if possible. So I think we could probably move on to the next team here, which is from max. I got it on the screen. It's a 14 team, Four point per passing touchdown, one quarterback league. So you got Josh Allen as your lead guy there. That's pretty much all you need. Bijan, David Montgomery, Madison, and some other guys at running back. Amon Ross St. Brown, DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hawkins. So a bit of an aging wide receiver core there with TJ Hawkinson as your main tight end. Tucker Craft waiting in the wings. Does somehow have the 104 in this rookie draft given the competitive roster. That's definitely impressive. And then he does not have his second in 2025 or in 2024 and doesn't look like he has his third or his fourth in four and in five. So pretty good roster, especially for a 14 teamer. Yeah. I mean, you got positional advantages kind of all over the place. Bijan David Montgomery is a pretty good one-two punch. You got a, a bunch of good wide receivers here. It's not an overly deep starting lineup too. It's only a start eight. So your starting lineup really matters in this format. So, I mean, a good team. He asks, should I trade Bijan plus for 101 in this class? So a 101 would Marvin. be Marvin because it is a one quarterback league here. Who's a good tight end to go after because of Hawkinson's injury? So I'll let you address the first question there. For me, I, I would disagree. I'd, I would prefer Bijan over Harrison in this league format. Uh, I mean, given the setup of your team, uh, it really, it really depends, right? Like if you're getting, uh, Marvin Harrison jr. For Bijan plus the four fourteen or Bijan plus a third, that's one thing. Yeah. I'd be willing to do that with ease. Cause I do prefer Marvin Harrison to Bijan in fantasy, but at the same time, if it's like, Oh, I, I want Bijan plus a first for Marvin Harrison. Cause somebody's worried about Bijan's rookie year. Just keep Bijan because like Corey said, running backs are much more valuable in this type of lead setup. Being a start eight, 
being a 14 teamer, uh, two running backs, two flexes, you're going to really want that running back position uh, to be locked down. And I mean, Bijan Robinson, if you lose that type of player, it really hurts your contending window, having David Montgomery and Alexander Madison being your top two, rather than Bijan and David Montgomery being your top two. Not to mention, I mean, having Amon or having DK, having Devontae, having Cooper Cup, all that wide receiver depth that you do really leaves you in a good spot of wide receiver. So I would say like, unless you're getting like a really good, uh, solid price on Marvin Harrison, I would prefer Marvin Harrison straight up. But if he's willing to, if he's trying to tax you on Bijan, if he's saying like, I value Bijan as, I don't know, in a one quarterback league, uh, the 108 and I value Marvin Harrison Jr. as like the 103, then no, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, too. Uh, like the other thing too is you'd, you'd probably have to make a bunch of subsequential moves if you did that because yes. now you can no longer compete. You have a young wide receiver with a bunch of aging wide receivers. So if you make that move, you're probably determining now that you need to sell off Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and DeAndre Hopkins because now you're not looking to compete anymore. And that's probably a, a decision you'd have to make. If everybody's in, in your league is looking to compete, maybe that's one thing and that's a smart move to make. And that's something that I would advise. But your team looks pretty competitive. I'd imagine in a 14-team league, you probably have one of the better teams in terms of raw fantasy production on the field. So I would say I would be more likely to, say, take your 104 and draft a guy like you know uh, Odunze if he's there, or Brock Bowers if he's there, or something like that, or potentially shop that 104 altogether for a veteran asset at wide receiver. Maybe you could take um, one of your aging wide receivers like a Devontae Adams or a Cooper Cup plus 104 and get up to a superstar wide receiver like Jamar Chase, who's kind of on the low right now. And um, somebody loves this rookie class. They want to go out and get remote Romo Dunze or Brock Bowers. It's possible that you could get something like that done. Yeah, for sure. And he has a couple trades listed here we can go through as well. Uh, first one that he has listed uh, was made December 5th, 2023. Was able to send Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Waddle, the 2025 and the 2024-301 in exchange for Josh Allen in the 104. And honestly, I'm going to keep it straight with you. I don't know how you're able to get this type of deal. If I'm evaluating this rate, rate up, uh, straight up in a one-quarterback league, the 104, whether that's Malik Neighbors, whether that's Marvin Harrison, whether that is Romo Dunze, or whether that's Brock Bowers, I think is, yes, you would prefer Jalen Waddle, but it's a pretty comparable asset. And then I would say, given the uh, positional advantage that Josh Allen gives you, I'm more than willing to give up a 14-team 2025 second and the 301 in a 14-team league to move from Trevor Lawrence to Josh Allen. So I really like this deal. Given your competing window, go out and get a needle-moving asset like Josh Allen, who can average 25, 26 PPR points per game. Yeah, and it looks like he won the championship this year, I would yeah. imagine, because he has the 414, which would be the last pick of the fourth round. So it looks like this was a move that actually propelled him to win his championship. So definitely kudos on that one. Waddle wasn't having yeah. the greatest season, too, so that kind of made some sense there. And like you said, if that ends up being Odunze, I mean, Odunze and Waddle are probably comparable assets yeah. right now. So uh, definitely a fair uh, move there. Uh, on uh, November 7th, uh, before this trade was made, he ended up selling off his 2025 first by the looks of it, or some In somebody's second. 2025 first. Um, a 2024 second, and then a 2026 third for DK Metcalf in the 301. Again, you were competing. You ended up winning the championship. I think that's a fine price to pay. I mean, yeah. that first, if it's yours, uh, I'm assuming it is, will probably end up being pretty late. Uh, DK Metcalf is probably worth that. But you did acquire a first in the Drake London uh, trade before, which you made on October 11th. So if that was the other first that you acquired, I have no idea where that first ends up being. Yeah, what I'm what I'm assuming happens is that he took Drake London, converted him into the 2025 one and three, and then took the 2025 one two to acquire DK. Because basically, the way you're kind of looking at this is that first evens out, that third evens out. You're looking at Drake London and a two for DK Metcalf uh, holistically. Yeah, 
Yeah, which I think, given that you needed production, is not a, a horrible trade. I think I would slightly yeah. prefer uh, Drake London, but I think given your team situation, it kind of made some sense there. So, I mean, yeah. the nice thing is that you just won the championship and you're playing yeah. with house money literally right now. So you don't really have to focus on, you know, trying to, you know, contend again if you didn't want to. If you wanted to tear this thing down because Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and DeAndre Hopkins could fetch you a pretty penny on the open market, convert Bijan into Marvin, you could do it. But I would say you're probably closer to the competitive window, hence why you probably asked this question, which is, what type of tight end should I go after to help me while TJ Hawkinson is coming back from injury? So my first thing would be, can you sell TJ Hawkinson? Because if you could yes. sell TJ Hawkinson for Mark Andrews, or if you could sell TJ Hawkinson for Trey McBride, or for somebody that's going to be a productive tight end in a relatively similar tier as TJ Hawkinson, then I would just do that. But if you can't, a good tight end, I think, to go after, that's like a, a low-end contender's tight end. See what happens in free agency. Maybe Dalton Schultz resigns with the Texans. He could be a guy you go after. Maybe Darren Waller is back with the Giants, and you could go after him. Take Jake Ferguson. Yeah, Jake Ferguson's a decent option. Maybe even just like a Cole Komet, too, uh, would cost you nothing on the open market. I would say this is probably a question for closer to the season when we kind of know projections and where the ADP is redraft-wise. Yeah, I mean, like, can you give TJ Hawkinson plus a two threes or TJ Hawkinson plus a two and a three to go to Mark Andrews, to go to Trey McBride, like you said? Or uh, maybe the guy who has George Kittle is looking to retool things and buy low on TJ Hawkinson because he's hurt and is willing to give you Kittle straight up for Hawkinson. Yes, long term, maybe you lose a little bit of value because Hawkinson's younger. But at the same time, given your competing window, the production that Kittle is going to be able to provide is going to make up for that loss of market value. So, um, Either way you slice it, I would definitely use TJ Hawkinson to get your next tight end because there's really no point on buying another tight end to be TJ Hawkinson's backup when TJ Hawkinson is back. You could maybe use Tucker Craft if somebody's excited about him too yeah. because he did finish the season strong. Maybe you could buy low on a, a productive tight end because he's like in a young upside guy that maybe Tucker Craft in a three gets you up to Jake Ferguson or something like that. Yeah. And you could use that to uh, transition a tight end. But regardless, I think you have a lot of flexibility with this team, especially knowing that you just won the championship. So we could probably uh, move on to the next team here, which is from uh, Ryan Brolo. You guys can see that on the screen there. A 12-team PPR, six-point per passing touchdown, full tight end premium as well. So very important at the tight end position, super flex league as well. Um, he does have Bryce Young, Aaron Rodgers, Sam Howell at quarterback. So a little bit weaker there, but the rest of the team looks pretty strong to me. Bijan Robinson, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, Roshan Johnson, JK Dobbins at running back, Jamar Chase, Mike Evans, and some other guys there at wide receiver, a lot of young upside dudes. And then at tight end, you got Greg Dolchich, Noah Fant, Johnny Smith, and so on and so forth at tight end. And then at your picks, you have the 101, the 109, 201, 308, 409, or 408, sorry. And then he does not have his first in 2025 by the looks of it, unless he just didn't list it there. Um, it's a little bit unorganized here. I'm assuming that's 2024, 2025, and 2026. And the 2026 picks there are fully um, listed. So regardless, I think this is a team that has some clear weaknesses. You don't have a great tight end. You don't have great quarterbacks. But the rest of your roster is, is pretty strong outside of maybe a little bit of wide receiver depth. Yeah, and uh, he asks, uh, should I stick and pick a Caleb or take Marvin Harrison Jr.? Um, if you're going to move the 101, or if you're going to use the 101 not on Caleb or Drake, my advice here is go to see if you can shop for a veteran quarterback. Like, Can you use that 101 and add a piece to go up to like a Justin Herbert or something like that? I understand the startup just happened, but maybe let's just say Justin Herbert was the seventh player in that queue, uh, in that person's queue, and the 101 was eighth. So if you offered them a little bit, they'd be willing to let someone like that go. 
that's my advice here. If you're going to do anything other than take Caleb or Drake with the 101, that would probably be the direction I go, knowing the market value that was probably at stake. If somebody took them in a startup, it's very unlikely that you can up tier at quarterback. But, you know, do your due diligence. Just say, hey, like, I'd be interested in using my 101 to go acquire one of these guys. Maybe they're a big Ohio State fan and they want, you know, Marvin Harrison plus a two or Marvin Harrison plus a 201 to move off of, you know, Lamar Jackson. Like, that's what I would look into. But, I mean, realistically, Realistically, you add a quarterback to this team. You're going to have Bryce Young as a quarterback too. Maybe you're in a little rough spot if Aaron Rodgers is slow to come back, if Bryce Young isn't ready to compete right off the bat uh, from a production standpoint. But like Corey said, you're going to need a, a competitive quarterback to be able to compete, and you're also going to need a competitive tight end. So having the 101, the 109, the 201, the 308 to be able to use to make up for the fact that you don't have that 2025 one um, is what I'd be willing to do. So again, you have to position yourself this year to be a top end contender. How do you do that? Tight end and quarterback. Yeah, this is um this is an interesting thing because like you said, this is a startup draft. So yeah. it's clear to me that you got good value on Bijan Robinson, on Travis Etienne, on Javante yes. Williams, which tells me that the room is probably gearing towards rebuilding assets if you got good value on those running backs. So I might try and contend with this team. That's kind of the direction that I would think would make some sense. So like Danny said, if you can sell 101 for a veteran quarterback, that makes a lot of sense. If you can sell 109 potentially for a stud tight end, you could do that as well. If you wanted to go after, see how much more on top of 109 you'd have to pay to get to Sam Laporta or to get to Mark Andrews or to get to, you know, um, Trey McBride, you could probably get something Trey McBride plus for uh, 109 or something like that. The other thing, too, is you could sell the 101 for a, a veteran quarterback. Say Justin Herbert is all it costs. It's 101 straight up for Justin Herbert. And then at 109, maybe you take a rookie wide receiver. Maybe you take Brian Thomas or Xavier Worthy or something like that. 201 should be able to get you a pretty good win now tight end, I would yeah. imagine. You should be able to get probably George Kittle with 201 in a uh, in a tight end premium league. Maybe it, all that gets you is like, uh, I'm trying to think who's somebody a little bit worse than George Kittle. Maybe well, it gets you the, Dallas Goddard plus. Maybe you get Dallas Goddard and a and a good, you know, well, fourth receiver for so the 201. He got 201. It says here at the 911 spot is uh so I mean like comparably you're gonna know what it went around that 201 and being able to convert it into a win now tight end is gonna be able to help you a lot. Uh, because I, I do see a trade listed here. I can just get into it right now. January 2nd, 2024, since the 105 Saquon Barkley, Darnell Washington in a 2025 first. So uh he ends up getting this is how we got Caleb Williams, this is how we got the 201, Wandell Robinson, as well as those other picks here, the 308 and the 408. Um, we'll we'll analyze the deal in a second, but Knowing uh, in hand that that's the type of valuation you have, Saquon Barkley, 105, 2025 first, more or less equals 101 and 201 is how I equated this. Seeing what you had to pay for 101 kind of tells me that this league market, despite being a start 11, uh, is expecting a ton of assets uh, for the top end assets. So um, I'd be looking to see if you're if you're willing to sell 101. Can you transition that into an elite quarterback that's maybe a little bit older, maybe a Kylo Murray, and get a significant plus on top to be able to add maybe another wide receiver, or maybe he's willing to give you Kylo Murray plus, I don't know, uh, George Kittle for the 101. Yeah, yeah, you got some flexibility. Knowing that the the league is going to value 101 that highly definitely makes me consider shopping it. And same goes for 109 too, because if rookie yes. picks are going high in general, then maybe you could shop 109 for a good tight end plus a, a solid receiver. Like maybe 109 because somebody's obsessed with Brian Thomas or Xavier Worthy or whatever, you might be able to get George Kittle plus like Keenan Allen for the 109 and the 308 or something like that. And that would also 
help benefit your contending team. But leaning right now towards trying to contend with this team, just given the room and given the rest of the structure of your team, he said Dynasty Daddy projects his team as the the best running back course as he's like a frisky team. I, I tend to agree. I think you could probably yeah. compete with this team if you added a, a quarterback production piece and a tight end production piece and maybe a fourth receiver. I think you'd be in a pretty good spot with this roster. So. I mean, again, you have flexibility. You have some opportunities to be able to make some moves. I think we could probably move on to the next team. I think you should be in a pretty good spot here. We can move on uh, to Tyler N's team here. Uh, He has it listed here. It is a uh, 12 team, I believe. Uh, Half PPR, uh, four point per passing touchdown, super flex league, Justin Herbert, Mitch Trubisky, Sam Darnold. So pretty much just Justin Herbert as his main quarterback. Jameer Gibbs is his main running back with Tajay Spears there as well. JSN, QJ, not much going on at wide receiver. And then Sam Laporta as his main tight end, but he does have a boatload of draft picks here. And uh, we can kind of move ourselves out of the way here just for one second, but he does have a ton more um, picks here listed 101, 103, 104, 110, 201, 203, 205, 210, 211, 301, 303, 304, 310, 401, 408, and then all of his future picks. So ton of draft capital, couple good assets, Justin Herbert, Jameer Gibbs, JSN, Sam Laporta. But other than that, it's a pretty lackluster roster to say the least. Yeah, I mean, these are fun. This is basically saying I'm just going to strip everything down and uh, see what the draft eventually unfolds. And obviously, it's kind of rolling the dice on uh, your ability to to scout talent. But at the same time, what people don't understand is having teams that are built this way with less actual players and more liquidity affords you the opportunity to buy players for a discount when you have the opportunity to do so. So uh, basically, you're accumulating a ton of value because you know all those 2024 picks you got. If you choose, let's just say, somebody's willing to offer you their 2025 one for the 110 trade up, you have the affordability to do so because you basically control and monopolize this upcoming rookie draft. So Corey said you do need some players added to this team, and I do agree. And having three of the top four rookie picks is going to afford you the opportunity. 101, assuming somebody doesn't offer you Lamar Jackson straight up or CJ Stroud straight up, is probably going to be Caleb Williams. So we can slot Caleb Williams there. You're going to have a duo of Justin Herbert and Caleb Williams, which is one of the better duos you can have at quarterback in Dynasty. The 103-104 at this point, again, we're not trying to label players to picks, but more so have an idea of what could be available at that spot. Assuming both these guys don't go top five, given their prospect profiles, we've both evaluated them. We both have high grades on them. If you can somehow net Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors at that 103-104 spot and build your wide receiver core around those two nucleus spots, then you're going to have Herbert and Caleb Williams. You're going to have Gibbs at running back. You're going to have those two studs at wide receiver and the dynasty tight end one with Sam Laporta. So no matter what way you play this, you're going to be in a good spot to be able to just accumulate a ton of value and accumulate a ton of nucleus spots for this team moving forward. Yeah, I think the tough thing is he's asking... I'm ex- I'm assuming he's expecting Marvin to go 102 because he's asking this question, should I take Marvin 101 and just be okay with whoever falls to me at 103 between Caleb Williams and okay. Drake May? Now, this would be one of the only scenarios I would maybe recommend somebody take Marvin 101 because if you look at the 102 team and you realize he has no wide receivers, he's 100% going to take Marvin Harrison if you don't take him. I don't think it's an outrageous thing to do. I would maybe reach out to the 102 guy, see if he wants Caleb and see if you can move down to 102. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Assuming he's done his research, he knows his league, and he knows for certainty that if he doesn't take Marvin 101, he's going 102. It's really tough, right? Like you would have to know this guy inherently. Like if you trade, if you just don't take Caleb at the 101 and then he does take Caleb at the 102, 
as much as I say like, oh, I would, you know, be fine with either Drake or Caleb, like you're going to have your preference. If you like Caleb more than Drake, you got to take Caleb because the quarterback position matters so much. However, like Corey said, if you're very, you know, indifferent between them and you know the guy picking after you uh, really wants Marvin Harrison Jr., then that's the way you can play it. But you do say here he likes Drake. Maybe see, okay, well, if you like Drake so much, uh, I have the 103. I want Caleb Williams. Just tell him. You want Drake. I want Caleb Williams. I'm willing to give you the 103 plus the 210 to make this happen. Yeah. I mean, you could also just, if he likes Drake and you think he actually might just take Drake, you could just risk it and just be okay with whatever happens if you're indifferent towards Caleb Williams or Drake May. The other thing too is, I mean, where they actually go in the draft will impact who you like more probably. Like I would imagine. So like if Caleb Williams goes first overall to the Bears and they draft Romo Dunze at ninth overall, like he's going to be a highly coveted asset. But if the commanders trade up to to 101 to trade uh, to get Caleb Williams and Drake may goes to like the Falcons because they trade up or something like that, then it's possible you might have a different preference in that situation. So I would say kind of just wait and see what happens in the NFL draft. Marvin Agreed. going to like the Chargers would also impact how much you want to potentially take him at 101 as well. So um, a lot of different directions that we could go with this discussion. It's really all going to come down to what happens on draft night, where these guys actually end up going. I mean, with 110, 201, 203, 205, 210, 211, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to take a lot of shots on wide receivers, maybe a running back in that mix as well. Um, and you should be able to, if you can hit on most of your picks, build out a pretty strong young team heading yes. into 2025 when you spend those rookie picks. And of course, I'm sure you know this, if you have any you know, value opportunity windows, let's say Derrick Henry in free agency signs with the Bills and you can, you know, and the, the Titans don't sign anybody. And it looks like Tajay Spears can be alone in this backfield. You might be able to cash out on Tajay Spears for like a mid a mid first rounder next year. For sure. And, and I want to add this piece as well, because I do think it's very important. Like I mentioned at the top, if you can use that 110 to get future capital, not having to label a player to that spot right now and have future liquidity to be able to add to the team in the future. That's how I'd play this because you have the nucleus picks this year with the 104, the 103, the 101. You're kind of going to know what exactly your team's telling you more so at the start of the season. And then at that point, if you have two first rounders banked up and let's just say a foundational asset like Jamar Chase becomes available because maybe he misses a few weeks. Then you have two future firsts plus the 2026 one to be able to make the most competitive offer you want to buy staple assets. Just keep on adding staple assets. You have so many picks banked up in the second, in the third round to be able to build around those assets, but you want to set that precedent right off the bat. So like you said, getting a Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Malik neighbors in those first four picks, and then having future picks to be able to add to that, whether that's, like I said, a Jamar Chase or maybe a Brees Hall becomes available because the Jets get off to a slow start. Having the opportunity to future uh, in the future to buy those type of assets will give this team the jolt it needs. And I really do think how you set it up by maybe not next year, but the year after, your team is going to be dominant. Once those rookies really set into the NFL that you had this year, you're going to be in a very dominant spot. Yeah, and I mean, looking at all these trades, I think you won all of them. We don't have to spend any time. Kenny Pickett for the 110, easy smash. Like, at the time, yeah. August 6th, I would have done that in a heartbeat. Sam Howell for the 210 and the 310. At the time, I maybe would have held Sam Howell. And, you know, definitely by midseason, you could have gotten more than this. But now, since they're probably going to take a quarterback at the top of the draft, I think it's aged fine. And then Brees Hall for the 103 and 303. That's great move right there. So you shed that running back production from your team. You get yourself basically Drake May or Marvin Harrison with that pick who's going to be more valuable than Brees 
Brees Hall anyway. So definitely a great move there. I think we could probably move on to the next team here because, um, you know, you're in a really good spot. We don't really need to spend too much longer on it. Dr. Brian Harris, of course, again, another avid submitter. Fitting that he's on the 100th episode of this 12-team PPR best ball, six-point per passing touchdown, half tight end premium, super flex league. So you got the uh, the volatility bros here with uh, Anthony Richardson and Justin Fields with some other quarterbacks waiting in the wing. Nothing really going on at running back. A.J. Dillon and Khalil Herbert there. Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddell, uh, Josh Downs, Pop Douglas, Dontavian Wicks. So pretty decent wide receiver core. And then Juwan Johnson, really your only tight end to speak of at this point in time. 101, 109, 201, 301, 309, and 401. I feel like everybody in this video has had the 201 in their draft. And then uh, 2025 and 2026, you have all of your picks here. So, I mean, we can look at this roster. We could say pretty confidently you have a very solid wide receiver core, very solid quarterback core, and nothing going on at running back and at tight end, which is typically most of the time how we want to build out our rosters. Um, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to potentially draft Caleb Williams with this team. I would shop Caleb Williams with this team. That's that would be the direction I would go because you already have two good quarterbacks. Or alternatively, you could shop one of your other quarterbacks and take Caleb Williams. Yeah, 100%. I mean, having Caleb Williams on top of those two other quarterbacks is a really nice place to be. And uh, given that it's a best ball league, like Corey said, you're more willing to uh, field with these quarterbacks through the peaks in the valley. So uh, if you can transition that 101 and get 102 plus to get Marvin Harrison Jr., that's what I would look to do. Or maybe somebody's willing to give you, I don't know, a future first on top of Malik neighbors. That's something I'd be willing to do as well. Being able to use that pick and net multiple assets uh, in this type of format, given the best ball nature that we're, uh, we have at hand here. What I've really learned in best ball, especially in start 10, start 11, start 12 leagues is that having these elite ceiling production assets is what you want. So uh, having Richardson and fields honestly is good enough at the quarterback spot in the intermediate. Yeah, and I also like the idea of having just like a ton of good dart throw wide receivers like yes. Wicks, like Douglas, like Jalen Hyatt, Darnell Mooney types who are going to give you some half decent weeks here and there. So yeah, definitely uh, pretty solidly built so far, but I would say at 101, at 109, at 201, I would get creative with those picks. You don't necessarily yes. have to just be like, okay, Caleb Williams, 101, I'm going to take him. 109, I'm going to take Brian Thomas Jr. I'm going to take Xavier Worthy. 201, I'm going to take Lad McConkie or whatever, and I'll just be off to the races. I would cons I would definitely consider trying to be creative with either your current quarterbacks or with that 101 yes. especially and see kind of what you can get away with. Because, I mean, you might have Caleb Williams going to replace one of your quarterbacks in Justin Fields. Because if Caleb Williams goes to the Bears, then Justin Fields might lose some value. So I might try and get ahead of the curve here, but at the same time, it's risky because if Justin Fields stays in Chicago, he might probably gain some more value in that position. So there's a lot of risk with this team. There's a lot of ways yeah. you could play this, but I, I would consider selling off of Justin Fields and seeing if you can net a mid first rounder and maybe a, a young wide receiver or something like that. Yeah. And then just go ahead, reset the clock, take Caleb Williams the same way, kind of the same discussion that Chicago Bears organizations yeah. having right now. Well, I think that I'm more so laid out the scenario if people in your league aren't willing to buy in on Justin Fields. If they're not willing to buy in on Justin Fields, the scenario of moving off of Caleb, getting Marvin plus or Malik Neighbors plus a first may be a, a very, very attractive for you. But like Corey said, if, if your league is valuing, let's just say Justin Fields is a top 25 startup asset on your league, and maybe you can transition Justin Fields plus the 301 for Bijan Robinson, Justin Fields plus a future 2025 two for Bijan Robinson. That's kind of how you can play it as well. There's really no wrong way to play it. It really just depends on what the existent market value of your quarterbacks are versus the incoming market value of what Caleb would represent and what's more palpable for you 
to be able to build a strong contender, which looking at this team really has the makings of doing so. Yeah, and he made a trade here where he sold off Terry McLaurin, Miles Sanders, Jacoby Myers, and got 109-309. I think that was a good move. I mean, Sharp. Jacoby Myers at the time was being pretty productive. Terry McLaurin still valuable, but uh, the 109 is the key asset that you got in this deal. And the 309, honestly, not the worst asset in the world either. So, I mean, once you fill out these rookie picks and you're able to add in, let's say you make a move and you move down from 101, you pick up Marvin Harrison and like an extra second rounder and next year's class and a first rounder next year's class or something like that, then you can uh, build out your roster even more and you add in another couple of receivers with your other picks, maybe a running back or two. You should be like maybe even a house money team this year. I, I will say too, I agree. at 201 and a half tight end premium, and 109 and a half tight end premium, I would consider if Bauer starts to slide, potentially moving up for a guy like him. Or if you're at 201 and somebody's really excited about the receivers, you could maybe even move down some and take Jatavian Sanders in the mid-second round. Yeah, or you could trade the 201 straight up for a for a solidified tight end if the opportunity arises. Like if it's maybe Hawkinson because you're not trying to compete right now, he might come at a discount because yeah. of the ACL tear. And I, I I will say you have listed here obvious rebuild, and I would agree that that's what the shell kind of labels right now. But I really do see the upside for this to be a house money team with the assortment of picks you have now. If you hit on a couple of those picks and your team's telling you that you can be able to potentially transition it as soon as possible, then you're going to have the opportunity, like Corey said, to be a house money team as soon as week three, four, week four, week five rolls around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Brian's a veteran of this channel. I mean, we've oh, yeah. done 100 Dynasty Decisions episodes. He's probably been in like 30 of them. So I'm sure he yeah. kind of knows what he's doing at this point in time. Uh, another veteran of this channel, I know he's been following for a long time, is yes. Big Al. Um, he is also, all of the uh, people that submitted, by the way, to this video were uh, Flock Fantasy subscribers. If you have a free submission and you're waiting for you know the time that you can get it done, I will say we still have a number of other Flock submissions in the queue right now. So, of course, if you want to sign up and become a member over on Flock Fantasy, you get all of our rankings, prospect uh, models, prospect databases, um, you know, a Dynasty Trade Calculator, and, of course, your episode uh, featured on Dynasty Decisions here. Um, Big Al's team, you can see it, 10-team PPR, one-and-a-half tight end premium. So I'm not sure if that means it's a, a half tight end premium or if you get 2.5 points per reception for tight ends. I'm assuming he just means it's a one-and-a-half to tight ends. But Superflex yeah. League, Anthony Richardson, Aaron Rodgers, Bryce Young is the main guys. Nothing really going on at running back. Chris Rodriguez and others there. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers, Jordan Addison, Drake London, Josh Downs, uh, Quentin Johnson, Dontavian Wicks, and others. And then a tight end, you got Michael Mayer, but not much else going on there. And then in 2024, you have the 107, 204, 302, 503, and 507. Doesn't really have any of his picks in 2025, which is unfortunate considering the status of his team. I don't know if this was like an orphan or something like that, but not in the greatest position, I would say, right now, knowing that you're lacking that future your draft capital. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on this team and some of the, uh, the league uh, scoring here? Yeah, I'm going to keep it a, a buck with you. Uh, you're in rough shape right now, to be honest. Um, like looking at the state of the team, knowing, I mean, maybe your IDPs are, are very, very strong. Uh, and I, again, I don't play an IDP, so I don't quite know. But in terms of the offensive pieces in a 10-team league start nine, like you just don't really have a lot of firepower at all. Like Anthony Richardson's probably going to be, you know, a one, two turn startup pick. But I mean, outside of that, like, is anybody going to go within the top three, four rounds of a lot of startups? I don't necessarily see that being the case of a 10 man league. So it's tough not having your 2025 one, but also not being in a position to potentially win the championship. You did say, however, you won year two. So you're at a, be uh, a much better spot knowing that the first whatever, whatever the case that would be, you know, maybe you won eight buy-ins or seven buy-ins knowing that you have that type of leash to be able to rebuild the team. But I will say knowing that you don't have that 2025 one, are you taking the bullet in 2025 and looking to just completely monopolize 2026? 
I mean, maybe I would consider going and reaching out back for your 2025 first rounder. He actually if says he available. won twice uh, early on. Oh, he, won he won in twice. 2021 and in 2022. So, I mean, oh. this is the time of your league, you know, uh, life cycle where you might have to eat some humble pie and trade off all your good players yes. for future picks. Aim for 2025, aim for 2026. Even, you know, that 107 this year, it's an exciting pick. It's Romo Dunze potentially. I would potentially look to sell that for future draft capital because you're not really going to be in a position to compete anytime soon. I mean, he's listing here like, should I try and trade up for Marvin? Like, no, you're not in the position oh. to do that. What you're in the position of doing is trading off pretty much anybody that has any value right now. And yeah, Addison and London are young players and you could hold on to them through the duration of your rebuild. But I mean, the important thing for you is to get as many darts throwing at the dartboard as possible. And I'm looking to sell off pretty much anybody with any value for 2025 and 2026 capital because you're simply just not loaded with enough assets to turn this thing around quickly unless you get you know some lucky blessed offer in your inbox that's going to suddenly grow you some more draft capital. Yeah, it's the toughest place to be knowing that you want to rip down the team and not having your future pick. It happens, man. Like at the end of the day, recognizing it now, getting the value while you can is your best route, even knowing that you might be able to, uh, you might not be able to reap the rewards of that 2025 101 if it were to happen. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he lists a number of trades here, some of them with varying success. I think the process, most importantly, was pretty sound on all of them, right? Like, I mean, 110, you traded up for Jordan Addison last year with 110 and 206. I don't think that was outrageous. Unfortunately, it became Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta. So that was not great. Justin Herbert, you sold off for 102 and Jerry Judy. I think that I probably wouldn't have done that. But at the same time, I understand kind of the rationale there. Then yep. you you sold Judy for the 108. So essentially, you got the 102 and 108 for Jerry uh, for Justin Judy. Herbert, which I think was a little bit better of a um, a trade. The only unfortunate thing is that you then took Quentin Johnson with the 108, yeah, not unlucky. like Zay Flowers or somebody that would have went right after him. So, I mean, a lot of these trades, pretty good moves. I mean, Debo Samuel sold off for Khalil Shakir in the 107. These other trades not really meaning much. Brock Purdy and a second and a third. You sold off for Bryce Young in the 204. Again, I think that's probably fine. Maybe prefer At Purdy slightly, it. but it's not a big deal there. So, Again, you have a lot of work to do. You probably know that. You, yeah. you got a lot of selling to do. You got a lot of trying to get your 2025 first back if you possibly can, maybe even paying a little bit of a tax on it because yeah. um, other than Anthony Richardson, Jordan Addison, Drake London, maybe Josh Downs, there's not a whole lot to like on this team and Bryce Young maybe potentially too. Yeah, agree. And again, we don't know what your defensive players look like. Maybe you can recoup some assets with those defensive players in this league. Uh, I do see like you have like Nolan Smith. Maybe you have an Eagles fan in your league that wants to buy in on him. I'd be willing to do so, but... All around, man, like we, we're going to have to strip this thing down. Like we're going to have to. And like, like Corey said, if you're able to get that 2025 pick back, you're doing it. But fortunately, even if you're not able to get that 2025 pick back, I do think this team needs a big remodeling. Yep, for sure. So again, appreciate you guys for sticking around to the end of the video. Let us know how you liked this format better. I'm assuming it's a lot better than the previous way that we were doing it. So we're glad we listened to your feedback on that. Also, the other thing I wanted to mention too is the Super Bowl is this week. So make sure if you guys want to get some stake in the action, if you are a new user, you never really make any bets or whatever, but it's the Super Bowl. You want to get some stake in the action, head on over to Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code FSE when you sign up and you'll get this new customer pick'em special unlocked where you can use a half total yards for Patrick Mahomes. And of course, when you uh, sign up over there, you'll get hundred percent back up to $100 too. So if you put in 50 bucks to bet on the Super Bowl, you'll have hundred dollars on the site to play with. And underdog is also airdropping a million dollars to anybody with an active underdog username so that, you know, if you just sign up on underdog, you might have a chance to win some credit over there. They're sending out, you know, a bunch of hundred dollar credits and that kind of thing. So could be a lot of fun for the Super Bowl. We put out some, uh, you know, novelties bets early on 
on our TikTok. I'll be putting out some, you know, prop bets or whatever throughout the week. So very excited for that. And of course, it is our 100th episode of Dynasty Decisions. If you want a chance to win a Flock Fantasy yearly subscription, if you already have an active one, we'll add a year to your current subscription. Comment down below when you started following this channel and whatever winner uh, ends up winning, we'll reach out to you and get your flock username and you can make an account over there and we'll credit you with a year. Celebrating the 100th episode of Dynasty Decisions, the first episode was called Grade My Dynasty Team and then now 100 later, we've done a number of these teams and we've uh, been really happy to have hit on this idea. You guys have loved it. Yeah, appreciate you guys for making this a thing, man. If you guys didn't show support at the early portion, man, like we wouldn't have known just how much you guys enjoy these and just how much we enjoy making them. Just talking about your guys' teams, helping position you guys to potentially take down the future championship, whether that's as a rebuilder in the future or whether that's as a contender as soon as year one. But with that being said, appreciate you guys. Hopefully we see you guys for the next hundred more and stay tuned for that yearly membership. Take care.